Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black. Joining me this evening, uh, we have, we, we've got almost a full house this evening. We've got John Anderson. Hello, John. Hi, everyone. Uh, we've also got Ian here. Good evening, Ian. Bono estente. Um, we are currently live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, as well as a couple of other uh, social media platforms as well. We broadcast the podcast live now and record it, and then we'll put it out for an audio download on podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast. Uh, we're also on um, Amazon Podcasts. If you say to your, if you say, hey Alexa, now that's going to have triggered someone's Alexa, so hey Alexa, play Scottish <laughs> Rugby Podcast, it'll play it. We should maybe test that if we go, hey Google, play the Macarena. See if that triggers someone's Google yeah, machine. Maybe maybe start coming up with different things like, um, hey, hey Alexa, go to manscaped.com. <laughs> and, and enter the code SRP for 20% <laughs> off and free shipping. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Might just start doing that in the middle of podcasts, just trying to trigger people's Alexa, Alexa yeah. machines. <laughs> Hey Alexa, play Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter by... Uh... Nice <laughs> tune. Should you play that one, Ian? That's, this that's is, need some galloping bass. This is, of course, mm. Ian and John's uh, band, which we're all... Uh... Have, have you got a name that you put, John put on Twitter earlier this week? The, the, it's a, What is this? A mix of glam rock, rock and thrash metal. Is that how you described it? It's classic rock, glam, thrash, um, taking contemporary pop numbers and turning them into kind of thrash numbers as well so a little bit of everything is this one of these things where you turn around to us all now and say oh you you wouldn't you wouldn't have heard of some of the bands that we're into (laughs) (laughs) no no you you'll definitely have heard of them that that were i don't know that is that obscure country artist dolly parton who we're covering (laughs) turning dolly parton into thrash has uh definitely been the highlight thus far yeah uh, Martin Bell has asked, "Are we on Prime now? It is free to get. It is free to access our podcast on Amazon. We get no money from Amazon as a result of that. We get money from Acast to insert all the adverts into the podcast when you download it. If you don't want adverts on the podcast, however, uh, you can pay three pounds a month to enter the Richie Vernon Thunderdome on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Scottish Rugby Podcast, or you can upgrade and pay five pounds." per month and enter the Dougie Donnelly members lounge uh, now th- you don't get anything extra for that other than just a, a warm and hearty virtual handshake from ourselves plus we will read your name out on the podcast so I've got a couple of thank yous we've got a thank you to Craig Manson who who despite uh, Ian's slurs against Howard Fife which I had very quickly shut down last week <laughs> I've already had a complaint from Johnny McGinn oh, to I Ian. I thought it was stuff about Edinburgh. That no, I'd, I'd no, no, said. no, that was... Oh, no, that's... No. All right, kill the okay. stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm not having it two weeks in a row. Uh, so Craig Manson, despite that, has signed up and he's entered the Doogie Donnelly Lounge for £5 a month. So thank you very much to him. Um, so um, that's our that's our £5 Patreons as do, well. Do you know what um, else we should do for the £5? Like, we should do, like, Cameo and we, we'll send you a birthday message. You can pick the podcast star of your choice, and we will send you. Do you want to get? Go on. Guess how much do you think it is to get Max Evans to to read your birthday message on Cameo? Oh, Max Evans. I mean, I don't Be know. careful what you say next, Ian. I know. Yeah, I was about to make a joke there. And I thought, no, I'll get us banned again. Um, you know, depending on you know, he needs a lot of money for stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, Thirty pounds. That is almost spot on. It's it's twenty nine pounds seventy five pence, and you could probably get him to say "bing bong" for that. I'm guessing. 
I but think he will not be sending it via five G. No. Um I'll no. give you some other I'll give you some other names that we've got. Um Lewis Moody. How much how much to get a cameo from Lewis Moody? Seventy five pounds. Forty two fifty. Twenty four pound ninety is cheaper what? than Max Evans. Bargain. Um Shane Williams. Shane Williams, a birthday oh, message for Shane Williams. He wants the BBC box, so no, yeah, it's uh, six, 60, £67.50. £124.50. Oh, Small man, big price. And we've, I mean, we've all seen the state of his punditry, so you can only imagine how awful his birthday greetings are going to be. I, I can categorically confirm Richie Vernon done it for free. Well, I don't know. I mean, I... I can't think what else. I'm trying to think of something else that would be as wooden as Shane Williams' birthday greetings. It would cost you £124. A pirate's leg. <laughs> That's the, it, yeah, uh, probably. One of the Ents in Lord of the Rings. Tim Visser, go on. Price for how much do you think it would cost for Tim Visser to say oh, happy he's, birthday he's got, to someone? He's got expensive tastes and shirts, so and he does love that Fit. London life. 45. Nah, 110 Absolute bargain at £16.60. 16 Whoa. There we go. So we could get Tim Vissel. There's another joke in there there about adding 30 pence and him being Dutch, but I'm not going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you two more. D- DTH van der Merwe. Seems like a classy guy. Tenor. 30. 30. Uh, £12.45. What? Last two now. Nick Grigg. Everyone's <laughs> everyone's fa- favourite plasterer. <laughs> That's what he looks like. He looks like he looks like he'd be around, he should be around plastering your walls right, rather than playing right. centre for Glasgow. So a plasterer, how much they an hour usually? Um, just to fight that. Sixty-six pounds an hour. Uh, um, plus, plus, plus the parts, mate. You forgot the parts. Oh, parts, uh, parts and labour. Twenty quid for Nick Greg. Sixteen right. pounds and sixty pence. How? By the way, how? <laughs> so it's the same price as Tim Visser. Same price as Tim Visser. I'm trying to find one more. Hugh Jones. The lovely, beautiful Hugh Jones. Oh. How much for a birthday message on Cameo from Hugh Jones? I mean, we're doing them a favour because I reckon it must be done by popularity. So I reckon you start <laughs> low and the, the price bumps up. So how much 24. for... You're going 24. Se- higher or lower than seven, 24. £7.50. £12.45 pence, and Hugh oh. Jones will say whatever you want within I reason, I reckon. would just like to point out it is my birthday on the 4th of December. So, if anyone wants to get me a message from Hugh Jones, please. I wonder if some of them are converted from euros, like 20 euros. It must be dollars. 60, I think 60, it's dollars. I'm guessing it's cameos yeah. an American thing. I'm guessing it's dollars. Well, there they, is. They actually used to be 100 quid, but because of uh, various things, they're, uh, they're now only worth 16. I will say there is a there is actually a, not a cameo thing, but there's a, a rugby version of cameo. Um, I'm trying to find the name because we're, we're trying to do something with it. It's Moonrise Rugby. If you go on Twitter and find them, we're trying to do some stuff with them, but lockdown kind of has put kibosh on it. But if you go to Moonrise Rugby, you can actually get some genuine... There's lots of Scottish rugby players on there and they'll give you coaching tips. Oh, wow. So you can send footage of yourself doing kicking or passing or tackling and then you'll get written feedback from them or you can have a half an hour consultation with them and a wee chat. I think Adam Hastings is on there, which is probably the a bit more worth, worthwhile than paying... You know, Max Evans, twenty nine pounds to hear him say "bing bong." I mean, you can. There's videos of that on the internet if you if you want to go googling hard enough for it. The Jim Taylor one comes back really profane. So you need to just <laughs> if you want to feel only. if you want to feel really bad. Pass. Maybe if, if you're into BDSM, 
and you just want to have a, a elderly man men shout at you and tell you to work harder. Then you go, you sign up for Jim Telfer on Cameo. Jim, Jim Telfer shouts, come into my dungeon. and What then are you doing with your life? <laughs> You're a disgrace. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, yes. So that's it. So we, I mean, you know, if, if you're a member of the Patreon, you want us to do a wee video message, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that for you for free. If that's something you'd like us to do, if people actually want us to do that, if we do that. Um, but yeah, if you sign up, you get ad free content. So you get a version of the podcast with our adverts inserted. We do a and mini. For an extra five or Cam, will do you a jingle. I will do. I, yeah. If you want to pay an extra five, any, I will do jingles on demand. Um, if people pay enough. We, um, you also get many versions of the podcast because sometimes we do, ram- we know we ramble on. Some people like it, some people don't. So if you sign the podcast, you get one that's somewhere between half an hour and 40 minutes where I basically cut out the rambling at the start where we talk about how much it costs to get Tim visit to say happy birthday to you. <laughs> and then the bit at the end where we do hands in the rock and it somehow it's about half an hour of content. If you're not listening to that though, you're missing gold. You're that's missing, you get- this is top quality content. Basically what I've worked out with the mini podcasts is we talk about rugby for about half an hour and the other like 45 <laughs> minutes is just nonsense. Crap. 45 minutes to an hour and a half. <laughs> We're 12 minutes in and we've, we've, you know, we've mentioned rugby players, but barely any rugby. <sighs> Nick Greg's debatable. That, that includes the intro though as well, doesn't it? It does include the intro to be very, which is a three, which is, which is a three minute song. So yes, so that you get that on the pitch and you also get ex- exclusive monthly content. Um, we're a little bit behind on that. I'm going to get something out next week on there on uh, Scotland's hardest players. Um, basically we've, we've, we've had a bit of a lockdown domestically in, in, in our house. Which has kind of put a bit of a kai, a bit of a, a kibosh on things this month, but um, hopefully we'll be back up and running this week. I was um, concerned you were going to say you've had a lockdown domestic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We've had a domestic lockdown. We've had, we've had our young, our youngest had two consecutive back-to-back periods of self-isolation because somebody at nursery got the, got the Rona. So he's been at home. He was at, we, the rest of us could move about freely and at will, but he was stuck in the house, bless him for. For four weeks, so um, well, yeah, that mean, mean John can't go and jam now on uh, Sunday. No, that's of course because yeah. uh, of the announcements today. Because I am, I am out with the Glasgow region. Oh, a different health I'm, board I'm in, region. I am. Yes, I'm served by the Bold Renfrewshire. So, could you not? What, what happens? Can you not like register for a GP within the area just just so you can go band <laughs> practice? Is that how I it need, works? I need to form a. I need to form a bubble with Ian for the next two weeks. <laughs> Can you know kind of claim some sort of caring responsibility for him? <laughs> Which one of us? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, don't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, what you also don't hear in the podcast is uh, the, uh, the the Patreon podcast is us talking about the fact where we we are we have partnered with Manscape.com. Um, who are uh, sponsoring the podcast? Um, so we've we, I forgot to put the t-shirt. on. Ian's forgot to put the t-shirt. That's <laughs> Two of us have got. We've got a manscaped t-shirt on. Um, so we. Or I could just fuck my balls out. <laughs> <laughs> Ian has been threatening to do a live demonstration, but I've I've put I've put, oh, I've put the brakes on that pretty sharpish. So, <laughs> manscaped.com is the new the UK. Um, you they they are. You know, they do gentlemen's grooming products, or you know, grooming products for anybody. We've discussed this. Really, anybody that would want to clip and shave and, and trim in any places. You get the they've got this this wee manscape and trimmer. They do nose trimmers as well. You get a, you can get a package like this that they sent me and John. All got this nice wee wash bag, some ball reviver. 
Don't know what that does. Apparently, it's uh, ball deodorant and ball reviver. It's good for the hands, chafed hands after drumming and bassing. It is, as yeah. Discussed it was last week. Very, very good. I also found after I shaved my head the other day that I gave myself a wee scoosh up, up here. And uh, it was rather, rather pleasant. Uh, it's good. got some nice aloe vera in it. So, uh, multi-purpose. Maybe we could sell sell a, a, a multi-pack to Blade Thompson. Well, well, <laughs> yes. Well, the the whole Blade Thompson thing, There's there's been um, chatter about my look just now and Blade Thompson and how we are channeling. I'm channeling Blade Thompson and there was perhaps suggestion that I am a Lego man version of Blade Thompson. Blade Thompson wears John Anderson pyjamas, that's all I'm saying. I, I, legit, I know this. Um, we talked, I mean, the last two weeks we've talked about the fact Manscaped have got, a, they partner with a, a, a men's health a charity that on testicular cancer. So we talked about that the first week we did this last week. Uh, we had a wee chat, Ian and I had a wee chat about body image and the fact you don't have to shave if you don't want to. You, you, you know, whatever it takes to be the sexiest version of you from your own point of view, not what anybody else thinks, you do you. Like I say, I, I'm not into manscaping. I'm comfortable in my own body. Other, if, if you want to manscape, that's fine by me, fine by everybody else. Do what's right for you. Um, we... Um, we we also this week I thought we we touch on and this is from Manscaped as well, um, people athletes who manscape for performance, because there is an argument that that it can, so I don't think age of performance but can make it more comfortable. Um, the, some of the the examples they give is Darian the Wolf Caldwell, I don't think he's a relation to Gary Caldwell. Um, he's an MMA fighter. All right, okay. He's an avid manscaper. Apparently, he explains yeah, his manscaping is for MMA professional titles. performance. Unlike bikers or swimmers, he isn't doing it for speed. Instead, he follows the same motivation as the rest of fighters in his league. Body hair gets in the way. He says, especially true with with grappling, I can imagine. The less you've got to get hold of an MMA, the the, the better. Uh, He says, shaving the chest and belly is essential essential for minimizing the opponent's grip in the tussle. Wow. Yeah, because imagine if someone gets a hold of that and then yanks, that's going to hurt like hell. Yeah. Bruce Aitchison says he manscapes for performance. <laughs> and what an outstanding performance it is! <laughs> we we had a PE teacher back in Butte who um, had, was a rugby player and then took up cycling. And he decided he was he was quite a hirsute gentleman. And then he decided to go full performance and manscaped. Uh, and he used to wear shorts a lot. At, his classes and the, it was smooth as a baby's bum. It was magnificent, um, glistening, <laughs> glistening, yeah, shining. And he and he took great pleasure in telling us all about the performance gains he'd made. Apparently, he knocked fifty-five seconds off his PB just from shaving his legs. <laughs> well, well, there you go. What distance? So that was a hundred meters. Doing the road to the co-op. <laughs> Who's back quicker with the milk? <laughs> well, maybe because there was no cue, actually. Hang on. <laughs> well, Bruce is saying that PE teachers are the greatest. I think this is... A, Bruce, you'll have to confirm if this is a common thing for uh, PE teachers. Whether they, they manscape for before. I do don't they, think... Do... Well, I think before you go any further, let's not ask the question of whether PE teachers manscape for performance. Because that's... <laughs> Don't think that's necessarily a market that the manscaper look in the corner. 
it was good while the while the uh, relationship lasted. Eh? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, there's a couple. So I'm moving swiftly on from that. Um, there's a couple of um, NFL players that Manscape uh, is Michael Brockers apparently and uh, Julian Davenport. I'm assuming they're sponsored by Manscaped. Um, it's about comfort for them. Uh, you need every small advantage you can find. That's what they reckon. Um, I mean. They claim that you know letting your bush grow free and uninhibited it tangles and it tugs. The average man working a slow-paced office will have to adjust for comfort more than a hundred times a day, whereas you don't have to do that apparently if you shave. I'm not sure if that's true. I've now I've not got a test subject to. I've not got anything to compare that against. I think the people who are having to adjust a hundred times a day might have to go and see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem quite excessive. It does a bit. Um... We're back yeah, to the PE. Te- we're back to the PE teachers. I certainly hope PE teachers aren't adjusting a hundred times a day in front of the kids. <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. This this is a bit off script for what they sent through to us. I don't know if this is the chat they want us to have. However, if you go to manscape.com and you enter the code SRP, you can get twenty percent off and free shipping. So the code's going to be run along the bottom of the screen there. So if you, it's coming to Christmas, so. Maybe you want to treat yourself or treat somebody special in your life, then then check it out. Like I said, there's, there's things like nose hair trimmers, there's other kind of men, gentlemen's products that you can have a look on there. The new to the UK, um, lots of interesting stuff on there. Let's move on. Let's talk about some actual rugby then, gentlemen. Okay, but because we're on Amazon, we need to spend most of the, the uh, time talking about England. Right, so um, what did we think about Joe Marler's hotel room? I didn't care. I just <laughs> I, I should we? I mean, should we? We, we should we? Should we start with the Amazon thing? We'll, we'll, should we do it now rather than hands in the ruck, or do you want to wait for yeah, hands in the I ruck? Think that's fair. Let's let's get out of the way. This is what it means to us. I I mean, I, I'll let you two go. I mean, the the, the live coverage. I, I I watched the game the following day, so I didn't watch it as live, but I skipped through a lot of preamble that seemed to have very little to do with Scotland, and given some of the messages we've had through, had a lot more to do with Joe Marler's hotel room than anything else is that fair yeah yeah i i thankfully had got the time of kickoff wrong (laughs) um so um i was racing about trying to get a clear run at the game and uh, i did note mr marler's hotel room in the background um but I thankfully wasn't really needed uh, i needed to be getting other things done so i didn't pay much attention to it but I did notice uh, some of the, I think there was some comments coming through that maybe a couple of minutes before kickoff, we were still talking about England and they actually had to like break away from Dylan Hartley giving some insightful nonsense to to cut to what was obviously an insignificant game of rugby. So, um, yeah, a bit weird. I don't think half time, I mean, the, the for the replay, they, they just cut all half-time chat out. It just goes straight from the players come off the field to kick-off, which caught me by surprise because I went to make a cup of tea thinking I'd get a bit... <laughs> I'd have a bit of time and I came back and it was at five minutes in the second half, so I had to rewind it. But I don't, from what, again, from what I've heard, I don't think I missed much, Ian, other than more more talk about England versus Georgia. Um, no, I also missed most of the start. Um, and then, but I was... Well, I was in the... The facilities, brushing my teeth and what have you, but I could hear the chatter, and it was all just England chatter. And then I've watched it back today, and there is like you fast forward, it gets to they start talking about, you know, Gabby Logan does the intro, they talk about England, then they cut to I think it's Joe Douglas and Johnny Beatty 
for all of two and a half minutes. I mean, that must be how much has Johnny Beatty made for that? For, for that's, I mean, that yeah. that must be a killing per. But what's he what's what's he getting what's paid per hour? Price? I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, from what I remember, a half time uh, as well. It was just more. Well, they they discussed tries, but then there was a bit more. Oh, but of course, after this, we've got the England game. Um, and then because the match overran, there was no post-match analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just went straight to uh, back to Twickenham. I love that they said the match overran. They, they, they emphasised it overran massively. It, really it totally it overran. It's like, guys. It didn't there over... Lot of there, no, there wasn't any stoppages at all, well, really. Pledry. Pledry um, and Allen. Allen, but, but they it, weren't... But even the Allen thing, it wasn't like it wasn't a long period of no. kind of players messing about. It was a short, quick turnaround. Yeah. Between. So I, I, you wonder whether or not that's just... I mean, but it's Sunset and Vine, I think, that are doing the production. So yeah, it's not are, that yeah. they're inexperienced at doing rugby. So whether or not it's Amazon putting demands on the production, I don't know. I, I, do, know that, I do know that, and I, I didn't realise this, but Jamie Lyle and John Barkley and um, Rory Lawson were in Twickenham doing the commentary for it, though. Is that right? Rather than Italy, but I guess that's that's a COVID thing, right? That's that's about having their own bubble, not sending any more people across to Italy than you absolutely need to. Mm-hmm. But could they not? Well, I mean, I don't know where they all live, but could there not, would there not have been a more centralised location? In Murrayfield. Yeah. Well, really, I think they all live. They all live. I think. Well, Jamie. I think Jamie's based up in Scotland, and yeah. Yeah, just meet up at the Trafford Centre. The Weatherspoons <laughs> is good. <laughs> Weatherspoons is never good, John. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, yeah. A good, point a, Martin, the, the, a good point for Martin Bell, though, that the uh, the extensive England preview was more entertaining than the England match itself. I mean, they, basically Watch three it, yeah. three or four hours of preview for what was an absolutely dreadful match. And it always was going to be a dreadful match. There was no doubt about that. Like, no one ever thought Georgia were going to give them anything other than a wee tickle here and there. It was it was it was dreadful. Yeah. And it's like them they're trying to hype up this match like it actually like I get right, okay, it's first first game of the Open Nations Cup for them and stuff like that. And that's that's fine. And no match is meaningless, although we have had arguments in the past, Ian, with certain folks regarding whether a match is meaningless or not. <laughs> but this 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 was as close to a you know, in international rugby, this is as close as you get to a meaningless picture. Yeah. <laughs> like they're gonna they're gonna scud them and we know that and that's fine. Yeah. Um so Ali's revealed just very quickly saying are we going to talk about Argentina? We will we will likely get on to that in hands in the ruck. Um I think I mean the commentary was good, but I got a text from my dad complaining about how many metaphors Jamie Lyle was thrown about he was early, early doors. Him, wasn't he? he was yeah. but i think that's you know that's that's his style and and he settled down i think um as as the game wore on but it was a good it's good to have you know a, a good nice young commentator coming through the ranks i thought he did really well john barkley and rory lawson you know it's that they're, they're as good as anybody else in terms of this the, the summarizing i thought the actual the commentating was good the i didn't have the option watching it back to turn off the crowd noise, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had I trouble even it. getting a menu for that because it was when I went into the audio options, it just said like English US or English. So I'm not there's sure a, yeah, apparently there's, there's there's various options you can choose from, so you can drop the 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 
the crowd noise and you can drop the commentary altogether and just listen to it. So I think if I'd watched it live, I would have had the crowd noise off because I quite like hearing what the, the chat is on, on, on field. You I assume most of the that. reason the crowd noise is on, kind of drowning out the swearing. We'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. No doubt when we talk about the game. But I mean, overall, it was all right. I think the the problem I had with the highlights, though, and the watching the game back, is it, it took you to a, a page for the game, and then it gave you the first thing you see is full match replay, extended highlights, highlights, try, try. <laughs> try and actually if you go on the app on your phone it tells you who scored the try so there's like there's massive sp- i don't understand why they can't have that in a separate you know highlights menu but luckily i only saw try true out try so i knew there'd been at least two tries in the game but i didn't know who they'd been by <laughs> but if i'd opened it on the phone app i would have seen every the name of every single try score and i could have worked out the ah. score from there so that's not so good so if you're on your phone, watch out for spoilers. That's what we're telling you. But what, however, watching it back, that would have, if I'd knew the score, it would have been really handy because I could have just gone and watched. If I'd watched the game already and wanted to just go back and watch the odd try, then that would have been actually quite yeah. quite helpful. So that's good. And if you hadn't watched the game and you knew the score, you would have known not to worry in that first half. Yeah. Um, now, I said last week we need to stop worrying about Italy. And when I checked my phone, because I had my phone away hidden so i wasn't tempted to look at it during the game it was a uh, i think it was ali baxter tweeted to say cami black we need to stop worrying about italy probably about halfway at half time i think he tweeted me i still maintain i still stand by that and i didn't know the score when i watched the game and i wasn't watching it live but i didn't know the score i think i haven't anybody that saw italy versus england the week before would know that you know Italy are in games for about 60 70 minutes these six at least 60 minutes these days and they put on a good show I was confident that Scotland would see that game out I mean it, you know the end result what was it one try to four yep and that's you know, I know the score looked a bit closer because we gave away some daft penalties but that's as much down to Italy forcing the penalties as anything else, but I, I still didn't really feel. I don't know whether you guys watching the game live. I still never really had the sense that that Scotland were going to lose that match, Ian. No, um, I think five years ago, I would five ten years ago, we probably would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I think you mentioned last week, Scotland now are very good in the second half. They figure teams out, um, whether that's. You know, something Tudy talks about at halftime, but even if it is something he necessarily points out, the fact is the players then go out and, you know, activate that plan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Italy were very impressive in that first 40 minutes. You know, they had everything with, you know, ferocity. Um, they were tremendous at the breakdown, especially that boy, uh, Dan, Danilo uh, Frantiti, Frantiti, was that it? The blue said? The blue said was fantastic, yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, I mean, I was a wee bit concerned, but as soon as Scotland got a foothold in the game, sort of around about the 50-minute mark, you, you know, the confidence you see back, it's like, yeah, I think we've got this now. Um, you know, everything just sort of picked up a level. Yeah. And we got the job done. Yeah, I mean, there's talk, John, I think, that Gregor Townsend had come and given them, given them a rock up the bomb at half-time and kind of said they were, they were, they were maybe being a little bit complacent. And that, there definitely wasn't the same energy there as there had been against Wales on the pitch and you couldn't hear anybody whooping and hollering from the bench either. But I guess there also wasn't much to whoop and holler about when you, yeah. when you, you know, you're, you're not winning, they weren't winning the 
the breakdowns, they weren't winning the scrums, they scored the you know a, a good try, but there wasn't an awful lot to kind of get excited about from an, you know on the pitch. Yeah, I, th- I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was it was a quiet first half, and I think losing Sutherland so early as well kind of set maybe a tone. He, he obviously went off. He looked quite in quite bad nick, and then losing Jamie Ritchie as well. I think there was maybe an element of reorganisation at the breakdown that didn't happen. Uh, in that first half, and it did set the tone for um, Italy were winning, as Ian says, winning contacts. Um, there wasn't much energy, and the players that you'd normally expect to be kind of generating that weren't, didn't seem to be there either. But um, there was almost, uh, in some ways, it was almost like Italy were doing a lot of shouting and, and cheering, but there was almost a kind of cool head sort of thing going mm. on. Where it's like, right, well, yeah, you can you can shout and whoop and do what he's needs, but let's let's just take our time here, guys. There's lots of time on the clock, and I was quite impressed with, you know, obviously the response to two. We went down the two penalties, and then we scored the try, and then we conceded again, and there, there, there just wasn't any panic. We weren't forcing things. We weren't things weren't coming off, and we we were still the second best team in that first half, but the there wasn't any nobody looked apart from maybe Stuart Hogg no one like looked like they were trying to force things which was good yeah and i guess cuz that's that's the, the there was no sense of panic from scotland yeah. i guess guessy and that you know they they kind of there was definitely a a sense of a confidence within them that they they knew that it was in a game of 80 minutes so there's things weren't going there. i mean there was a couple of needless penalties i think maybe that the Cummins penalty where I think in the in the first half where he'd he obviously he thought he would the ball was fair game I think he'd he he thought he'd released the tackler and he's come in to to nab the ball and he's been pinged for it now I you watch it back and he probably has an argument for the fact that he he was in the right however it's maybe not the area of the park to be testing that out yeah, I don't think he's looked back to see that the ruck's been formed because I think it's one of the few times Luke Pierce didn't, you know, love the sound of his own voice and shout that the ruck had been <laughs> formed. Um, so yeah, he's just instinctively turned around and meant to grab it. Um, yeah, I thought uh, as well, he was very pernickety um, regarding line-out jumping mm. and any interference in the air. Uh, so the Blade Thompson one at the start of the second half, yeah. I mean, you can see, I mean, Thompson should maybe have realised that he was being very sort of strict on that aspect and not go near him, but I think it was either him or Haining gave away a penalty for interference, and it was basically like their chest brushed the arm of the Italian player. Yeah, there was a really he... weird. Well, there's a really weird one. I think it was the first half where uh, Haining got pinged for rolling away, but he got pinged. He was back in the defensive line by the time he got pinged. pinged so him. you're like, well, yeah. like he can't be not rolling away if he's managed to roll away, get back in the defensive line by the side time you've made that decision. Yeah. And there was a lot of. I think. It, it, and this is, I suppose, where it comes down to the adaptation. It's it's easy it's easy to adapt to a referee who's been consistent and making clear calls and has a clear interpretation. I'm not necessarily sure that Luke Pierce had that all the time. It, 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 there wasn't a consistency in his decision making, and that must no, be quite think, hard to adapt on the pitch. I think that's fair. Um, I think it took them the first half to kind of work out generally what he was doing, uh, and there was a couple of. Um, sort of very strange precedents that he was setting and they were trying to, you know, with the line-out stuff and things like that and they did eventually adapt to that but 
Um, I think there's an element of Italy were just better at the breakdown mm. in that first half as well, and we we you know we can. I don't agree with Luke, uh, his his decision making necessarily, but um, that's still up to the the players to kind of not get themselves where possible, not get themselves in those positions. And um, Scotland, where particularly with ball in hand, we were loose. We mm. weren't, you know, the Italian the Italian defence was winning collisions, and it makes it so much easier for the they were getting uh, Pelledri in particular. Uh, and your big, your big Lucy there, Ian. Uh, they were they were getting right over the ball quite quickly. Whether they were releasing or not, you know, that's uh, apparently that's the the new interpretation. Is seems to be that the tackler can uh, just kind of roll the person back to them. Uh, although Watson does it better than anyone, so. Yeah, you can't complain too much if you get the no, the, no, the no, green no. as well. I, there was, no, it's, yeah, only, it's only when Edinburgh playing Glasgow that I was complaining. That's, yeah, that's and I suppose we have to give credit to Italy, and and it you know this this helped Scotland in a way that they they'd done their homework on Scotland and the attacking shape that we run, and and it's maybe the first time we've properly had that tested. And I mean, certainly there was the one where Chris Harris got tackled on the ground and was there was a couple of players that had looped rather than going into the ruck had, had looped round looking for the offload. And that was clearly a, a set move, but the problem is it left where Italy had read it blocked off the pass. And all of a sudden Chris Harris is isolated. So they, they'd definitely done the homework on Scotland and that that's not necessarily a bad thing going forward because, you know, I, I'd rather it was Italy that had done the homework and Scotland now have time to correct things. than it was France had done the homework and, and tore us apart next week. And, uh, yeah, I think they would have maybe made um, better, uh, you know, a better fist of the limited opportunities that Italy had. Because I mean, let's think like people go on about how Italy were, Italy were very good. Um, mm. Let's not forget that. But pe- I think people have maybe over overstated their performance a bit because, in terms of territory, um, you know, first half was pretty even. Second half, most of it was played in Italy's half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I suppose it's good to know that teams take us seriously and do their homework. Um, but Italy had only conceded by the time uh, Cummings scored the penalty that Watson got, which Pierce took an age to blow for, I thought. Oh, yeah. Um, that was only Italy's sixth penalty, and that was in the 65th minute. Um, so that, that's good discipline, um, which usually we probably don't see from Italy, and that's mm. why you know all the points came from tries. But um, we got there. We got there, and well, that's, that's a, and that's a big thing. That's a big thing, isn't it? That we got there, and with a bonus point as well, which is not to be sniffed at. Yeah, I was surprised yeah. a couple of times when Hogg went for the, the touch, um, but then I'd, I'd forgotten about the bonus points. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I was frantically trying to figure out whether bonus points were a thing. Yeah, um, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of. I mean, I thought it's hard to kind of. Roy's done the player ratings. I think Rory, Rory Sutherland went off with his you know, with his ankle. And I think the reason that scrum went backwards at such a rate when Italy got the penalty was probably because his, his ankle went quite early on in the scrum. And that's the reason why it was going back because it didn't go backwards again. It wasn't like a, a problem after that. No. I hope so. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was quite quick on the group chat that we have outside us. I was quite quick about the... Uh, the 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 man shaming that was uh, going down there, but yeah, yeah. obviously you get carried off after that. So um, yeah, I think I think you'd very rarely see an international pack go back that quickly without something having went pretty horribly wrong. And yeah, um, I think that looked like an injury beforehand. Yeah. I suppose the question is that obviously I think the Jamie Ritchie going off early maybe exposed an issue on the bench that there, there isn't 
you, you know that, that Townsend might have to address that without a kind of another fetcher on the bench it kind of like you were saying it it took Scotland a while to then readjust because the reason they did so well against Wales they essentially had they were sending in Richie Watson and and Ferguson into every almost every single ruck trying to nick the ball and if you know Nick Haining for all you know all these good qualities isn't a fetcher so that obviously took some adjustment and I don't know if there's an argument there to say that you you know you need somebody a bit more versatile because there was definitely an improvement when Hayden got subbed for Sam Skinner later on in the game, Ian. Um, yes, and we need to find out if that was an injury or if it's just a total ready for Hayden that a sub <laughs> then gets subbed. Um, yeah, but Skinner's, uh, I think Skinner's probably a bit more, even though he's a lock, you know, he's, he's a bit younger and he's that kind of lock back row hybrid player. So he's probably a bit more mobile, and you know, you bring someone like him off the bench, you know, a European champion, he's going to go about and start hurting people. Yeah. Um, he's put a lot. He looks big. Yeah, he's, he's a scary looking dude. He's very scary looking. We haven't had a scary looking dude like that in a while, so that's good to see. <laughs> uh, um, the other, I mean, the centre partnership is always interesting. We'll come back to Dunkey Weir in a minute, but the the centre partnerships um, with. Obviously, you got Sam Johnson back, Ian. I thought he had, I was surprised that some people didn't think he'd had a good game. I thought he had a really good game in defence and, and attack. I actually thought he, he carried well. He made his tackles. I think we've seen that you know, Scotland's centres are, are liable to slip tackles, but I think that's more down to the defensive structures than it is down to the individual players because it can't always be that, that it's the two centres that are slipping tackles. That's just got to be down to... A, ta- yes. a tactical decision in defence rather than anything else, but I thought Johnson had a very good game. I thought I thought Harris as well again, it, it kind of you know showed up really well all over the park. Mm, I mean, obviously there's there's been disagreement, and one thing I keep seeing is that people query Johnson's pace. They're like, is he fast enough to be an international twelve? Um, just because he got snaffled, but I mean that's not it's not his. You know, it's not one of his forties. It's not his particular skill. He's a better defender than, say, someone like Matt Scott, who is that bit quicker. You know, it all seems to send back to that intercept he did against Ireland, and because he couldn't run away from a winger, people now automatically think he's slow. Um, and then there's another one when Hogg spread the ball out wide, he got caught, but that was by again by a winger. So mm. I don't know exactly how fast people want Johnson to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, you know, I thought he was, he was very solid. Um, you know, he is an excellent. You know, he he hits hard. Um, you know, if he is going to attack you, you're going to feel it. Um, Harris, at first I thought Harris had maybe, some people maybe overrated him slightly, but I watched it again today and, you know, again, there was, similar to when we played Wales, um, Hogg tried to release him and he's, he's fumbled a pass, but it's maybe not the greatest of passes from Hogg. But the rest of the game, you know, he's putting his tackles in. He's really good at sort of... Um, retrieving spilt balls. He mm. seems to have a good sort of spatial awareness and, and sense of danger. And, you know, he carries it into contact pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I thought he had a, a decent game, a very decent yeah. game. I think I think the thing, and this is the thing, John, maybe the, fr- the frustrating things with, with some Scotland fans is the very quick they're very quick to make their minds upon a player based on one performance and will not have that view of that player shifted despite all evidence to the contrary so we know that chris harris is a player who's taken his time to kind of you know to find his feet in at national level he had a, a bad game i think when he came on against samoa in his debut he had that awful there was an awful game that nobody came out of with any credit against wales a few years ago yep. 
but since then he's been very consistent and is growing into being a you know a, a he has nailed his, his name to the back of the 13 shirt for Scotland. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, and he fits he fits what Townsend's trying to do, um, game plan wise, very well. I, I like Ian says. I think I think Harris. I think what you get with Harris is there will be one handling error per game, and it's frustrating. But you know, he runs really hard lines, and you've got to you've got to take the the. The fact is that if you're running full tilt into an international defence, sometimes you may well spill the ball because they tend to hit you very hard. Um, and Harris Harris does cut some really good lines. He he seems to link quite well, despite you know we've had two opportunities now where Hogs maybe not put him in, but he seems to be linking better with the playmakers in the in the team as well. So yeah, I think I think he's. I think he's there, and I think it's the the pragmatic approach of of Townsend. We'll we'll see that Harris will be in that shirt for quite some time to come. And I think, as you rightly say, Scotland fans uh, need to get over the fact that people have maybe rubbish debuts, or maybe you know their second cap isn't so good, or it takes them ten caps to feel at home. You know. Um, Duncan Taylor was was a liability on his first few caps for Scotland and did not look at all the international class. And you know we we were then reveled in his brilliance for a couple of seasons. Um, there's been plenty of players over the years who maybe just have taken their time. Hugh Jones on his debut didn't exactly look a world beater. And then because I remember when he was picked for the, his second cap was the Australia game. And I remember seeing his name and thinking, all right, okay, right. Townsend's pulling one of these ones. Fine, all righty. Um, and then he scored within like seven minutes. And it was just like, all right, this guy's the greatest player in the world ever for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of the greatest player in the world ever, um, Paul O'Connell has selected Duncan Weir as uh, the starting 10 in his Lions selection, which I thought was a joke. <laughs> Somebody ah, mocked ah. up, but but genuinely, this is the Paul O'Connell for the official British and Irish Lions selection has has, <laughs> has put but Dunkey Weir at ten. Now, I think that as as a that is throwing some serious shade the way of the other tens that were starting for uh, Wales, Ireland, and England this weekend. <laughs> he had an all right game. Look, you know, he's not he's Scotland's third slash fourth choice ten. He did okay. He slipped the tackle. Yeah, he missed the tackle for the, you know, that led to the Italy try. I thought he was a little bit too keen in defence, rushing out occasionally and got caught out a couple of times where maybe actually, you know, a little bit of more of a cool head. But by the end of the game, he kind of seemed to have found his found his way a little bit, John. And you forget that with Duncan. It's been it's been a while since he's played at national rugby. I mean, he's been on the bench. Yeah. He's come off the bench, but you know, to play a full eighty at national rugby, it's been a while. Yeah, he, he looked he looked nervous to start with, and that, and um, obviously people were trying to maybe take some of the responsibilities off him. Hogg seemed quite keen to do everything for him, which I'm I'm not entirely sure I agree with. But you know, that would have been discussed beforehand, and. Um, I would not be surprised if it's you know been pre-agreed that Hogg will kick, they'll do the the kickoffs and Hogg will kick to touch and what have you. Um, 
I think what what was interesting about Weir, he was he was he was really keen in defence, and he'd almost channeled his inner Sam Hidalgo Klein and was like looking for turnovers at every opportunity. And I'm thinking, Dunk, like right, you've not got a neck, that's fine, right? So that's not going to get injured if you win Jacqueline. But what are you doing? You know, and even if we do turn it over because you've put your meatball head in there, then what are we going to do? What? You know, our playmakers in rocking. It's um, it takes takes the idea of maybe it's maybe Townsend's thrown as a curveball, and maybe he is the rugby equivalent of Johan Cruyff, and he is introducing total rugby to the world. <laughs> there is no positions anymore. There is only meatballs. Oh, you're sounding a bit Eddie Jones there, John. Yeah. Uh, well, I speak to Gregor. He, he's the man who has Donkey uh, Weir playing seven. <laughs> Darcy Graham plays every play any position you you put well, him in. Another example, yeah, yeah. Darcy, the smallest man in the park, seems to think that he is, you know, Xander Fagerson. And you know <laughs> I said that correctly. Um the, unlike Mr. Barkley. Yes. I think the the that's the thing I've 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 been really frustrated with the Eddie Jones things. The, the kind of comments about oh I'm gonna make backs have 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 hybrid backs and forwards and it's like well you know there's been teams the, the all blacks have done that for decades. <laughs> Scotland have been we've been doing that since at least the Vern Cotter came along and you know have an interchangeable back. I mean Richie Vernon, you know, has been doing that his entire career. It's not exactly. new or innovative, just but because the you know, the the head coach of England says that all of a sudden the England England journalists have fallen over themselves to kind of hail him as some sort of maverick when all he's doing is repeating, just repeating stuff that other people have done long before him. But then he never does it either. No. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's all, all, uh, all, all talk, no action. No. Um, I mean, Sam Hildago climbing off the bench again, very good. You know, the the, the turnover at the end, like something out there was it the the Premiership <laughs> final where he won the last the final turnover of the match. This one was legal. This yeah. one was legal. <laughs> Well, actually, the first, you know, there was those two mall drives that were repelled. Like, I think he went in uh, during the first one. He went in for a turnover as well and nearly got to it. So he's, he did, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's thirsty for that ball. Yeah. But again, that's good. I mean, we, we've we've joked about, you know, Sam Hildago Klein's littlest Tobo-like career, you know, sometimes changing three three clubs in one season, you know, but <laughs> it's never a good look. He's but, learning... He's learning new skills. That's it. But to have ended up at Exeter and to to have nailed down the nine shot in you know England's best team and be a European Championship, what on the back of what was a move forced by coronavirus is pretty impressive. And now to be in a situation where we've got three very good scrum halves who can play for Scotland, um, and Jamie Dobie coming through as well. I'm not going to mention the Ember scrum halves, but because I'm not. I don't rate them much yet. Um, Scott, Steele, Scott Steele as well. Scott Steele as well. Uh, Steele yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah. Who did well? Who did well off? You know, who did well at kind of filling off the bench as well. But you know, t- we've got a good depth at, at scrum half. It's interesting as well though, because Townsend talked when it was when when Scott Steele was mentioned against Wales. He talked about his work on the floor. Mm. So he talked about how how keen he is to get involved in the breakdown. I think Townsend's got some. Like madcap plan that his nine is his new fetcher or something. It's <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it's the only logical thing for it. Um, but no, I think I think um, speaking of scrum halves, I think we should really mention Ali Price again. Mm. 
really, really controlled, real like none of the I think maybe maybe what's most noticeable is that there's none of the Ali Price of old of the, the beating the chest and shouting shouting this and that at everybody. It all just seemed much calmer, much much more controlled. Everything was so much responsibility was going through him, but it just it worked. It was really good, really impressed yeah. with and it. And the box kicking was spot on and accurate and do you know, whereas before it would be you know, 50-50, you know, everything, like you said, it was accurate, I think, is the way to describe the form. It's accurate and disciplined. And that's what you need from your nine. Yep. You don't need cats at rave. No. I think, exactly. as you know, as well, he's got the pace. So if he does see, a, a, you know, an opportunity for like a little chip over the top, you know, he's going to be able to pull yeah. that off as well. So I read, I read in Kevin's stats that he'd, he'd only ran, so he had the ball 80 times and he'd only ran four times with it, which... Is definitely a change. He, he he was he was definitely more of a sniper, maybe a couple of seasons ago. But as you know, he can, you know, if there's a gap there, he'll he'll go and find it. But I think we we always talk about that like it's some sort of um, silver bullet play. Like, oh, the scrum half's making a break. Oh, we're keeping the defence honest. It's an international defence, guys. Like <laughs> they're, they're sitting there, like there's a back row forward going. If this scrum half makes a break, I am going to obliterate him, and it is going to be fun. He is my child. I am happy with this. You do also need to remember we had seven years of Greg Laidlaw, so uh, sniping wasn't really an option. Oh, remember when he sniped against Argentina oh. twenty? Oh, that one time he did snipe was glorious. I was, I was at that game. I remember that snipe. Oh my goodness, it was. Oh, he scored a, a sniper against um, Samoa. Samoa, he did in the World Cup. Yeah, so uh, oh, Martin Bell's twice. Yeah, 2015 and 19. Yeah, Martin Bell suggesting mm-hmm. we need to mention Ben Velikot. Of course, we do. We also, <laughs> of course, need to mention Finley Christie as well as being options. And yes. Cam Redpath needs to get a mention just now as well because yeah. um, inevitably, by by um, by is the he, fact he's is he not qualified for Scotland, John. <laughs> <laughs> and France and England, mm, yeah. yes. Uh, and by the by the virtue of the fact that he doesn't play in Scotland and nobody watches the Premiership, he is automatically better than any other option we've ever had in the history of international yeah. rugby, so yeah. we should definitely call him up. Gregor Townsend is a fool for not calling exactly. him up. Exactly. Idiot. Yeah. Idiot. Why, Always why we... picking his favourites. <laughs> honestly. Picking people that he sees playing well, honestly, this will not catch on. No. Picking players that fit the system he wants to play rather than our best 15 <laughs> players who... who you know, would take would never gel in a month of Sundays. Hashtag hog to ten. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, a quick mention. Duhan van der Merwe um, was your man of the match. Ian, he was the official man of the match. I mean, it's. I think actually his introduction to international rugby. It's luckily the way the fixtures have fallen, but the way that Townsend has handled his introduction has been very smart. I think to have given him the full game against Georgia to. Kind of cut, and he, you know, Van der Merwe talked about his nerves before that game, and it maybe took him a while to find his feet in that game, especially when he had like ten Georgians on his back every single time he got the ball. <laughs> then the Wales game to kind of come in late into the game when you know legs are tiring, and then have the full eight against Italy. He looked, you could see the difference in his confidence. He was breaking tackles. He was coming in. Look, both wingers were coming in looking for work. And when is Darcy Graham never looking for work? Like a like a perpetual job seeker on the pitch. Get <laughs> a job. Get a job. Get a job. <laughs> a job. 
um, but no, I, I mean that's that's exciting. I think to see how well he's come on in those three games, Ian. Yeah, me um when I was getting left back from the last jam session, me, uh, Rona Sweeting and Ross McDowell were talking about it in the car. And, you know, he's just something different to wingers we've had before. Because, you know, maybe we had Lament, who is a bit of big bruiser, or say someone like Nicky Walker, but they didn't have just that direct flight, flat line speed that he's got. Mm. Um, so he's got flat line speed and he's also an absolute monster. Um, I think the most, one of the most impressive contributions for me was when, I think it was only, we'd only just taken the lead and there was a, an Italian kick went deep. He picked it up only a couple of metres from the line. And you're like, he's in coffin corner. This is risky. And said, so he, what he does, he blasts into the middle of the pitch in the 22, takes out a lock and a tight head prop. And then it just sets, and it sets up an easy exit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there were some very good performances, but Duhan is just, I mean, he, he eats metres. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was it eight carries, 140 odd metres? Um, 10, ten like carries, yeah. yeah average, average 14. Uh. Twice as much as Hogg. And, you know, Hogg's picking, you know, he's taking a lot of kick receipts and, you know, he's got maybe 10, 15 metres before he even tries yeah. to get him. Duhan's just like, who's there? All right, smash you out of the way. Um, yeah. Th- and hitting, oh, hitting rocks, hitting rocks as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a wee bit concerned with one of the rocks he hit because he seemed to throw a couple of shoulders in. Yeah, <laughs> um, there was a swinging shoulder, wasn't there? Yeah, um, the commentary team picked up on it as well. That's, um, I think that's what happens when you, you your head coach is Richard Cockerell. You pick up a few things. <laughs> um, no, it was seems very impressive. Very impressive. So France up next. We don't know who the team is yet. There's now. Um, Ian and I got very excited because breaking news at the end of last week's podcast was that the France squad was announced, and it was, it was, it was, a, it wasn't the strongest of squads, and we got really excited. Then France versus Fiji got called called off because Fiji got a number of the Fiji squad have got coronavirus, so France have were you awarded. Seen the I'll, we'll come on to that. So France yeah. have been awarded the twenty eight nil win, so they got a bonus point try. Uh, win, so they're top on the table at the minute because the game was cancelled. That's in the tournament rules. So everyone signed up to that beforehand. The team that have got the Rona don't uh, uh, don't win. I think that's you know they're the ones that have had to forfeit. They can't raise the team, and that, I think that's that's the fairest you can do in the current circumstances. It's a shame it has to be Fiji, but that's that's the fairest you can do. So France all of a sudden now have all their players back available to them. <laughs> because it agreed with the French top 14 teams that they would rotate the squad so that some of them would be available for matches. So obviously Anton Dupont's back. Roman Entomac was back, but he's now injured. So that's good news. Not because I would be worried about Roman Entomac normally, but you know, given we've lost our two fly halves, there does need to be some levelling of the playing field. And as we established... Yeah. Uh, Last week, I think it was, you know, Ali Price is better than Roman uh, than Anton Dupont in terms of his speed yeah, at the two, base of a rock. Yeah, weeks ago. Yep, yep. yep. No, yes. So, so we're fine. So we'll win. We'll be fine. Uh, the, so, f- the the other news though is that um, yeah, twenty is it twenty eight or twenty nine Fijians Ian have got coronavirus. Twenty nine of the Fijian <laughs> squads. It's like they've been going about licking discarded masks. <laughs> how, how do you get that many in a squad? I mean, that's, that's the problem. Is the moment the problem is that the moment you get a case, what three or four cases? And I know they've got bubbles, but they're doing contact training. The moment you get three or four cases, you know, it's what is it a fourteen day incubation period? 
Uh, no, 60, I think five or 60 incubation periods, yeah. I believe it is. So it's going to, I mean, that's just going to, the moment you get four or five, it's going to rattle through your squad and your coaching team. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not good news. It, so Italy, Fiji's been called off already. I think realistically, I think we're probably, Scotland, Fiji's looking on a sugary peg at the minute. Ah, it's, it's not going to happen. Nah. They should, I mean, they should but... do that anyway, just for uh, sporting integrity. Yes. If, they, if, if they're giving France and Italy bonus point wins against them, or they need to give us a twenty-eight nil head start. There <laughs> we go. I think that's fair. I think to be fair, I don't. I, I wouldn't put. I don't think we'd struggle to get a bonus point win against a team of Fijians trying to recover from coronavirus, <laughs> wheezing away at the side of the pitch. You see, yeah, I mean, that, Adel- well, Dolo having it. You know, got lads not carrying on water bottles, but carrying on asthma inhalers for them. Yeah. But that would be peak Scotland, though. That would be. <laughs> we are the only Same team that I'd rather a ball in one hand, coughing into the other, punching <laughs> over the. <laughs> um. So yes. So there we go. So yeah, it's not looking good for for Fiji in the Autumn Nations, which is a shame because we you know we would have all have loved to have seen them, uh, play yeah. play um just because they're wonderful wonderful to watch even when they, even when they lose they're still wonderful to yeah. watch and the return of Nadolo. Yeah, I know. The first international retirement. Yeah, there is now. There is a. I can't remember the name. Of the, the, the um Daniel Leo has done, who is a former Samoan internationals, done a documentary which is available on Amazon Prime. It's free, which I was very excited about. That I think it's free if you've got an Amazon Prime subscription about yep. the um exploitation of the Pacific Island rugby. Oceans so, apart. Oceans called. apart. Well done. Ian Wallace was recommending it to me earlier today. Yeah, oceans apart. So that's worth looking at. It's on Vimo as well, I think. So if you um, if you want to watch that, looks like a very interesting watch. They've interviewed uh, Brett Gosper. I think it looks like they get into the office of Frank Fahamina, uh, who's <laughs> the, who was the former head of Fijian rugby. Oh no, is it Frank? No, Frank's the president. I think Frank's the president. Pres- yeah. President for yep. life is Frank. Yep. Um, <laughs> and it, so it's not just looking at it from the from the point of view of how the northern and you know other and, and the big tier one nations exploited, but also the kind of exploitation and corruption from within, some, yep. you know, um, Pacific Island rugby. So that'd be a really interesting watch at the minute. So if you if you if you had time to spare, if you were going to watch Fra- um, Italy Fiji, then then maybe stick that on instead. Um, I think we, we there's anything else we need to cover I mean that the Fran, the France game is a bit of a hard one to call I think I don't want to you know I was caught a wee bit cocky last week with with we don't need to worry about Italy I'm not I'm not worried about France in the sense of we're going to get a pasting I I think we'll be there or thereabouts in the game but I think it's going to be hard to call you know it's maybe a, an opportunity I suppose to kind of put away some of the doubt that's been cast on Scotland's win at Murrayfield in Earlier, earlier this year, that we're you know there's a lot of French fans on social media saying ah, but if if, if Mohamed who hadn't had punched Jamie Ritchie in the face, if Roman Entermac and Anton Dupont had had stayed on the pit, you know had got injured, I think then we would have won. So it's maybe a chance to kind of address that. Um, yeah, you know, obviously sports fans love to throw shade. I believe the kids use that phrase nowadays. Um, other ones. Um, but the thing is, like, who else only has himself to blame for punching Jamie Ritchie? Yep. Um, for Intimac going off, well, guess what? We didn't have Finn Russell, so you know, balancing the books there. And to be honest, like, I mean, um, I think, what's, his, oh, what's that big winger's name? Damon Pennell. I think he blows, he scored the first one, didn't he? Yeah. That came off the back. That was like basically France's first attack, and it came off a excellent cross kick from Dupont. Um, I mean, even at the start, was I think it was 
Paul Valenza and Sebastian Crow. One of them was lucky not to get red carded for tipping uh, yeah. on his head. Yeah. Um, and Scotland then, well, Scotland were arguably the better team in that. Um, yeah. You know, Olive on late try sort of took some of the, the shine off the scoreboard. But Scotland, it was a very good performance for Scotland. Um, you know, regardless of even when it was 15 on 15, we were in that game and arguably the better side, even though we were behind on the scoreboard. So I'm not that scared, to be fair. Um, you know, obviously France are excellent, but so are we on our day. So let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Yep. John, you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think um, we're in a better position. I think the fixtures worked out quite well for us, particularly with losing losing our fly halves um, against against um, against Wales. Duncan Weir has a game under his belt at international level, has international renaissance. So let's see if Slam Dunk the Funk can. Get us, get us running about the pitch and guide us to guide us to victory. Yep. Just had one last bit of news. Yep. Um Adam Ash has joined the team, which sounds like a fluorescent cocktail you get in a Weatherspoons. He has, yes. Glintinis. Yes. In, in the like LA Giltinis. Is it the Giltinis? In, in Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I looked up to see if it was an actual cocktail, but the, the badge is like a, a martini glass. So yeah. it's like... <laughs> This is going to be an interesting team. I mean, I can only I, I can only imagine the you know the the rabbit holes that one can fall down in LA if you are looking to you know for self a weed dispensary or have you know looking looking for help from it. There'll be plenty of self help gurus willing <laughs> to take willing to take money in exchange for for their wisdom in LA. Annabelle oh, is a he's a European uh, herbal healthcare specialist. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yes. Oh, European, huh? That's what. Have you ever read Arnie's autobiography? It talks about how him and his mate, who had no idea how to like do any kind of like brickwork or anything, they were like European style roofers. <laughs> so all these like rich housewives would pay them extra to like, oh yeah, we got some Europeans in. <laughs> I I kind of wish Silicon Valley was still running um, oh, because. Show. It was a great show, yeah, but I, I can imagine like an episode with Adam Ash in it, like just coming in as as the CBD expert and or uh, you know... ballers, the one with the red. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Adam Ash does ballers. Hollywood, yeah, maybe, Hollywood maybe... Ash. That's what she'd start calling. That's it. It. Yeah, he's the he's the new Vinnie Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> a reference to Hollywood Hogan. Grow a goatee and dye it black. Yep. Starring a remake of Mr. Nanny. Oh, if Adam Ash grows a blonde and black beard, that could be outstanding. <laughs> yeah. uh, before we move on to Hands in the Ruck, we've got this from Daft Cravey, who said, don't forget that Duncan Weir made his triumphant return in the France game we won. So there's no fear there. So of course That's he true. did. Two minutes, of, minutes of uh, two, two minutes of Weir before he had uh, the hair of doom. <laughs> That's a, that's, a, that's a powerful Sam, Samson-like hair he's got there. Right, yep. we're going to do this now. Yes, it's Hands in the Rocket or any other business section of the podcast where we ask you to submit your grumblings, your groans, uh, your general dissatisfaction with the world at large. It can be rugby related, doesn't have to be. 
sometimes it's nice to have hands in the ruck. If it's your hands in the ruck doing the snaffling, then that can be a good thing as well. So just anything that's pleased you is also welcome. Uh, we've had a couple on our super secret social media group that you can get involved in if you're a Patreon. Uh, Dougie Lowe, and we, we've touched on this point already, but Dougie Lowe says, uh, why is there so much animosity towards Chris Harris? I thought he played well. A couple of mistakes aside against Italy. Others seem to be allowed to make mistakes without getting criticism. But he's also asked, who's our best long-term option at number eight? Now, I'm not I'm not sure we know yet. Because Matt Ferguson got injured. Blade Thompson is doing okay. But he's wasted too thin. He's wasted his too thin. Too thin for number eight. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful beard, though. He has got to go. Maybe that's where... Maybe if... You, maybe if I don't know. Is that where all the all all the girth from his waist has got onto his, be- onto yeah, his face? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would have thought having a thin waist would be a good thing because there's less of you to grab. Well, I know you would back, think so. It's like you think manscaping, yeah. But so for that, this this is a we joke about him having a thin waist. This is what somebody said in our comments once about Blake Thompson was his his waist is too thin, <laughs> as though that's a thing. Um, Makes him a good lineout option. He's just got, shoulders. He's got it's easier to lift. Tips. Yeah, white tips, thin waist. Whoop. Up you go. I know. You've been watching Strictly again, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> it was bad after our practice on uh, on Sunday when uh, I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we need to finish up, guys, because need to get home for Strictly." <laughs> <laughs> Proper th- rock star. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't. I don't think we have an option eight. I think that's 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 a problem. If, if we're, if we're like talking long, yeah, you, if we're talking long term option, Fagerson's the only young enough yeah. to be long term. There's always been a question mark, I suppose, about whether Sam Skinner potentially is an eight. I know there was talk early on that that's where Exeter see him long term. He's got the ability to play lock and and six. So whether or not he he looks big enough now to play, he's certainly packed on the beef over lockdown. He's big enough to to to, to fit into that role. So he's an option, I guess. I, I think Dupree didn't. I mean, I'm not sure. Was Dupree injured this weekend? Do we know? Was Ian? Did you? Was there any word on that? Was it just no, a rotational kind of decision? Yeah, he was just. Uh, yeah, he was just um, taking out the squad basically for painting uh, to cover. Both yeah. Slot, uh, so we'll cover see. I mean, we'll see. It'd be interesting because I think that there is talk that they're going to do. Um, there is going to be an element of rotation throughout these four, f- well, five potentially five games. Possibly four, depending on what happens with Fiji, but there needs to be an element of rotation there. So whether or not you know Dupree comes in, he did well against Wales. I thought when he came off the bench. In terms of long term, though, I know Dupree's probably twenty nine, sorry. Yeah. Then there's there's the enigma that is Magnus Bradbury. Um, Schrodinger's Bradbury is he a good player? Is he not? It's it's such an odd one because you know we. We've seen him have great games, and he's one of these guys who we keep hoping will push on. Because obviously, he get brought in, you know, early doors by Vern Cotter. Mm-hmm. He was told to go away, work on his defence, and what have you. And he worked um, on his worked on his falling over and smashing his head open skills. Yes, <laughs> yeah, proved himself to be a little bit irresponsible. Um, but you know, young lad makes mistakes. Yeah. Uh, who amongst then, us has not ended up in the back of an ambulance on the Royal Mile on a Saturday night? Unbelievably, me. <laughs> <laughs> No, no comment. Yeah. No, but Brad, Brad, <laughs> did, you, did any of you see the Edinburgh game yesterday? I did not subject myself to it. So, yeah, I, I didn't. See, I was going I to. I was I going to about halfway through the first half, and then I saw how it was going and decided not to. But <laughs> I said I wasn't enjoying doing it. I just like to clarify this. It wasn't the fact that I was doing Edinburgh sport. It was just the fact that I was watching Leinster once again tear apart a Scottish team, um, and with consummate ease. 
Um, yeah. Edinburgh were really poor, and it's like when you looked for the big guys like say Pergos or Bradbury to maybe step up and like you know steady the ship, they failed dramatically. Yeah. Um, nobody seemed to take control of that. And that's a big, that's a big massive failure. I mean, we've got Craig Manson's brought second mention tonight for Craig. That is, he's earned his five pound Patreon money. He said, this could be a general point on our hands in the arc. I'm trying to stay positive, but with the home nations playing for the next six months, at least, are any teams in the Pro 14 able to take on Leinster? I hate foregone conclusions no. or being this negative. No, there's the answer. But could they probably could win the league with their second team? I need a hug. I think we all need a hug, Craig. Um, they, will, they will win the league with their second yeah. team. We, there's no doubt that, yeah, sadly, you know, this is, this is what happens when you've got... Uh, world-class academy system, money coming out of your ears, full support of your government. Um, well, yeah. therein, therein lies a, an issue. Um, money. Because uh, when I'd put my match report up, uh, yep. so he, I don't actually know his real name, but uh, Phil Rugby BB on Twitter. Mm. He came back, I'd said that Leinster had a poor season in 14-15. Look at them now. He showed me a screenshot of the IRFU's accounts, which showed that um, after fourteen fifteen, the player wage bill went up by six million euros. So Excellent. obviously, they took the Leinster doing crap thing quite seriously. Mm. Um, they won't be able to do that anymore. They've already Phil Brown had spoken about how they would the pot would be dry by March. They would probably have to tap money in January. Yeah. They've already taken was it a twenty five million euro. 16 million, 16 million euro. euro loan off the, the Irish government. That's I mean, Irish rugby's in dire financial straits. Yeah. Let's not kid ourselves here, kids. I mean, I'm always amazed that they've been able to afford it because the Aviva is smaller than Murrayfield, mm-hmm. so their turnover can't be greater unless they're charging daft amounts with the D4 crowd. Um, yeah. And also they've, the fact they've got four professional teams, well, three professional teams in Connaught, who they treat like the ginger stepchild in the, the attic. Um and you know, they 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 are spending a lot of money which they do not have anymore. No. I think that's I a big thing. I, I think long I think there is a there is a, a kind of if you look view this through a kind of long term lens, I think that's right, Ian. I think Scottish rugby's we assume and I know there's issues with the accounts at the minute and, and you know, again we always say keep an eye on the offside line for that because David Barnes is always all over the accounts and, and does a fairly good job of explaining things, and and Kevin Miller actually as well, I think, as a trained accountant, is, is fairly good at these. It kind of also kind of coming at it from a from an accountant's point of view as well, so he's worth a follow on Twitter. But generally speaking, I think Scottish rugby financially is in a better position than the other unions. So longer term, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. So yes, Ireland, Ireland have got all these young kids that are coming through their school systems, but but is that a you know, is is that a house built on sand, John? Joe, that, that's that's likely to collapse at the the moment that the money runs dry. I'm going to sound awful here, but hopefully, <laughs> um, I I am looking forward to. If that was to happen, I would pay. I would pay Tim Visser amounts of money to watch Stephen Ferris's face. I would ask Stephen Ferris to give me a message telling me how sad he is that I probably only charge a seven pound at that point as well. <laughs> I hope so because like I, I might even ask for two messages then. Because um I dislike Stephen Ferris somewhat. I bet they're delighted they didn't get the World Cup now. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it would have cost them a bloody and, fortune. Yeah. <laughs> they probably would. And whose fault is it that they didn't? Who was but getting blamed for it? Oh, yeah, that's us. For it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. We saved some money. Yeah. Uh, Irish da- rugby. Daft Craig on Twitch asking, are Leinster the Pro 14 salaries? I think even uh, kind of no. questionable where, questionable money aside, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I made that just, equivalence yesterday just, on my own Facebook. Um, yeah. uh, except you know, everything seems to be above board. Well, it seems to be above board. It seems to be above board. Uh, but yeah. There's no, I thought there there's were no rules age gap in the, the Pro 14. I thought we were leaving the EU because there was rules against state aid. So how come the Irish government are able to prop up the... Uh, Prop up the rugby teams. It's all a lie. Brexit's we'll a lie. Done, there you go. We'll be done in the idea of um, investment in the future well-being of their children. They've yeah. all got shares in the Aviva. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, come back to your point though, Ian, I think there is an element though of uh, concern and I know we touched on this with the Glasgow game a few weeks ago that if Brad, if the likes of Bradbury and Pergos can't show up in a game against Leinster, that's that's a worry. So how come inexperienced youngsters playing for Leinster can come and step up when experienced, you know, internationalists in Scotland can't? And it's, you know, I'm not. I've no doubt in that the Irish, you know, the Irish system brings through quality players. But you know that Embrook team had good players in it. The Glasgow team that got tanked by Ulster had good players in it. This is a mentality problem and a coaching problem. It's not necessarily a Hundred percent a talent problem. I don't think. No, both teams. Um, you know, both the Ulster and uh, Leinster victories you spoke of there. The defending was absolutely abysmal. Um, both sides through their scrum halves. Uh, John Cooney for Ulster and then Luke McGrath for Leinster. Uh, with the clock nearly dead, you know the, um, the Scottish sides just switched off and they mm. scored opportunistic tries. Um, there is definitely a sort of leadership or a, a mentality or a focus issue. Um, and it's not going to be pretty. I mean, this thing like Edinburgh, I gave my match to Ali Miller. And I'd say the second best player on the pitch for Edinburgh was probably Andrew Davidson. So it's two pretty young guys who don't see a lot of game time. They're the ones who impress most. And not just because it's the they're the young guys who, who you maybe set a lower uh, bar for. They were genuinely the best two players on the pitch. Um yeah, so it's, it's it's a big concern. This is, I mean, do you, I mean, is the season even going to get finished? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's if it is, Leinster are going to win it at a cancel. They might as well just can it and just give, like Dave Rennie said last year, might as well just can it and give the title to Leinster now. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, I think if, if we, we we've said before, I think we do view the season a little bit as a development season. It's it's that opportunity to bring in younger players. It would be more beneficial if they were brought into winning teams and teams where. You know, yep. the leadership, the leadership, the, the the guys that you would turn to for leadership, the Ryan Wilsons hadn't gone completely AWOL. You know, and it's understand we've all, you know, we've all, and we've all had periods where we've gone AWOL, you know, mentally <laughs> over the last nine, 10 months, however, 11 months, however long yep. it's been that we've been in, you know, the, the, living in the current circumstances, but 14 years, <laughs> 14 years of the Rona. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, and we've all yeah, I think we can you know, we can give a little bit of slack for that, but you know, we're not living in normal times and people must be under strain at home as well as at work. We've all you know, we we're all feeling it, but it, if you're seeing it as a development season, you need the leadership team to step up and help the youngsters through, John. Yeah, definitely. And you know, 
I, there is an argument to be made for it being a development season through, um, you know, the way recruitment kind of almost failed both teams, and it would it would give me some sense of hope if it looked like there was a game plan um, and it looked like there was some sort of um, commitment to that development and uh, I can't see that yet and you know it might it might be the case that it's coming but I I just I don't necessarily see that and you know I'm, I'm pointing the finger mainly at Glasgow here I'm seeing the teams they're putting out, yeah, they're teams teams by necessity a lot of the time. You know, there's players in there that they have to be because they're the last men standing almost. But um, you know, there's there's a couple of young guys that maybe not had a look in yet, and there's a real lack of leadership from people that you would really be expecting to be doing more. Um, I think from a Glasgow perspective, the only person who's really come out of any of this looking okay was Tom Gordon. Yeah. He looks more and more the uh, a very decent prospect. Um, God, Gordon yeah, and it's, Shug, it's just really Gordon tough. and Shug Jones. Um, uh, yes. But, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. That's yeah. Shug Jones, who's not a fullback, who now is a fullback. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who should be who not should be nailed on thirteen for Scotland just because he's best in that position. 12, twelve, mate. He should be playing at twelve. <laughs> He should be playing everywhere. I hear he plays ten. Uh, <laughs> um, so um, we, we, we've um, I've got one tweet, and then we can move on to your hands and the rock guys. Uh, Paul has said his thoughts for Fiji, of course, but but are we going to end up second bottom in our group despite being the only team to win a game of rugby? <laughs> that could well happen. Yeah, yeah, kids, kids. Yeah, you do wonder, like, if Italy and uh, France were to get together now and say, do you know what? We don't really need to play these games, do we? Then yeah. you know that's I uh, interesting. Yeah. Is it the 1974 or the 1978 football World Cup where that happens? Like both teams found out if they had, if they drew nil nil, they'd go through the, the knockout the ball out. Ball. Yeah, yeah, for 80 minutes. I think it was Austria and maybe Czechoslovakia or something like that. Yeah. Corruption. Down with this sort of thing. Um, go on, John. What's what's your What's your hands on that then, John? So, uh, I was going to have, uh, I was going to be all positive and be like, oh, Argentina, woo, go Argentina. Um, but I'm going to take the Argentina thing and I'm going to have a, a wee moan again about the Scottish mentality. Um, lots of people congratulating Argentina on their historic victory over the All Blacks second team. Um <laughs> Um, brilliant result, you know. Obviously, good, good, good for Argentina. Great for international rugby. Um, great to see that even development teams can, from the best nations, can be beaten by first, uh, first full strength, first team, uh, tier one nations. Um, what's the Scottish fans um, getting a bit salty about it? Going, oh, you know. Look at Argentina doing what we've never managed to do. Ah, we've not beaten the All Blacks. We've not really had as many sh- shots at it recently as Argentina have. You know, mm. Argentina are maybe showing the benefit of playing in a championship with Argent- uh, with with South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, 
that were maybe showing the opportunity of playing against that. And you know, Scotland have played against second string New Zealand teams before. I don't think we've played against a second string string New Zealand team um, the year after a World Cup cycle when you've had lots of players kind of dropping out and they really are a team in transition. Now, the All Blacks as a team in transition is a very different prospect to most, but it was still not a vintage All Blacks team. No, I think probably the, the, the one time um, we did do that, I think there was that game where, it was the one where Tommy Seymour got the intercept off Richie McCaw where Dan Carter was coming yeah, back. Yep. That's probably the closest we've yep. got. That's not the closest we got to winning because it was the, the the last time we played them was the closest we got the to winning. But the, the Laid, Laidlaw kicking to that's the one with the the one with Laidlaw kicking was probably the closest we've come, I think, to facing a proper New Zealand team in transition yep. where they were there for the taking, yep. albeit they had Dan Carter and Rashim Court on that side. Well, yeah, but exactly. they were both come back and from sabbaticals, I think, of where they were. I don't know what they did, travelled the world or something for a year on. Dan Carter was uh, hanging out in LA with Adam Ash or something. And McCall was playing at Blindside. And that was, I think that was Finn Russell's first start for Scotland. Yeah. And he was actually it? played Carter off the park. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's the game that I famously left my mate's wedding to go and watch. Nice. <laughs> like, well, well done. Oh, no, I even got him to move the time of the wedding um, oh. so that I could go. Because, well, there's a longer story to all this. It, it makes me seem like I'm the bad guy saying I bolted from his wedding, but he'd said it was going That's to be a short thing, starting at like 10 a.m. And I was like, right, well, I've got 200 quid worth of tickets for the Scotland All Blacks game. I can sell them if you want. He's like, no, it's fine. You can go. And then four days before the ceremony, which my mum was conducting, by the way, because she's a registrar, <laughs> um, he was like, yeah, it's going to start at three. And the All Blacks game, Scotland All Blacks kicked off at five. I was like, you, lots of swear words. Um, how th- am I supposed to get from Glasgow to Edinburgh in an hour and a half? You said it was going to be at 10 o'clock. I offered to sell those tickets. Um, so, so he got it moved to two. My mum rattled through the ceremony in 20 minutes. So she turned to me and said, right, there's my car keys. On you go. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was this before or after she pronounced the man and wife? It was like, um, I, here's the car keys, uh, Ian. I now pronounce you man and wife. Or was just, it? Just, just, just leave the rings there, son. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You've done your bit. Scoot, on you go. Yeah. And then, um, then I got, apparently I got booed at the reception. Because it wasn't meant to be a reception in the first place either. And then there was a reception, and apparently I got booed at the reception. So. You get booed but for leaving? Hey, I got to go and see Dan Carter play at Moneyfield. So well, <laughs> badly. So, you got to see Dan Carter play badly at Moneyfield is what you got to see. I, th- I think the thing to finish the point is Scotland fans should... Not, we should not be so envious of the successes of other teams. Um, Argentina are a very good side and um, got the opportunity to beat the All Blacks and I think it just is a salty look from us that we look at this so enviously. Yes. I think that's 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 a very good point. I am trying to what was the who was the um oh who's the skipper? It's the uh I'll try to get the I'll get the name right. It's Pablo Motera. Pablo Motera. In the words of Pablo yeah. Motera, that is not respect. <laughs> said on the pitch. This is what everyone's seen this. He's he's talking to the the referee of the game. There's a he um there's a bit of a, a kind of a stramash on the pitch. Bit of handbags. Bit of handbags, and he's getting a t- a talking to from the referee, and he he says they're not showing showing us respect, and then he just taps on chest says that is not respect. <laughs> it's a great great gift going around to that. that. That's actually you right. Know. Hands in the rock. Go on because, then. Um, because it. Triggered the respect klaxon. Um, oh, see, I was going to go with the respect klaxon, but I had a feeling, ooh, ooh, 
that tonight's going to be, no, wrong song. I had a feeling you were going to go for the respect klaxon, so I thought mm. I will graciously like, pass what this he, one. What, well, what like, he said was, before you go in, what he said was, they're kicking my guys, they show no respect. He then pointed to his badge on his chest and said, I play for my country. My country. Yeah. Fantastic. I think when he accused, now I've watched the little tussle back and I look to see if there is any contact to the face of one of the Argentina players in the sort of ensuing breakdown. Um, there isn't. So <laughs> Matera's basically... Now, I've got no issue with Pablo Matera. Pablo Matera is a brilliant player. And, you know, what he said is fine. You know, him saying, you know, he should be respected. Not a ball of rat, but it's just the... Because it, it triggered the respect, you know, the, <laughs> oh, the rugby values, respect crowds. It's like, oh, okay. Like, man, even, like... Bruce, Bruce Aston, who messaged earlier, the most positive and optimistic human being in the universe. Even he's fed up of the rugby values crowd. All right, this is how much you have driven people. <laughs> You've made Bruce Aston angry. <laughs> Don't, Don't make like him angry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, Squidward point. Squid Rugby had highlighted a. No, wasn't it? It was somebody. Somebody else. He retweeted somebody. Jessica. Jessica Hayden. Jessica Hayden, of course, who who tweeted the, you know, the absolute pile on on a, on Facebook of this guy who yep. just said, "Why?" Can yeah. someone explain to me why England are wearing blue, uh, Twickenham uh, and yeah. Georgia in white? And like, you know, rather than someone say, "Oh, actually, it's tradition in rugby. If there's a kit clash that you wear, the the home team wear the change kit." That's all somebody needed to say. And somebody said, oh, yep. I'm new to rugby. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Thank you. And then you got, a, but all you end up with is a lot of people going, are you an idiot? Well, oh, you're this. over from the football. Oh. You're over from the football. You don't know anything about Why rugby. Why do they always look the same? The people who say things always look the same. They're all like guys in their 40s, like between the age of like 45 and 60. They kind of like, take a selfie. Like, take, a selfie like, take a selfie yeah. like this, looking through the or camera they, they, with a chin tucked in. They can't crop their profile picture properly, so you know they've cut out one of their Grand Wayne's heads. There's always a flag somewhere, <laughs> or a puppy. Oh, yes. Yes. A, a poppy or a puppy? A puppy and a puppy. Often a puppy <laughs> and a puppy. <laughs> a puppy wearing a puppy. <laughs> and the, the bio says something like, love my, love my country, my dog, my kids and my wife, in that order. <laughs> free thinker free thinker I free speech oh, Brexit means Brexit yeah there's a perfect Venn diagram of, of the people who think who who kind of believe in rugby respect and people who also act like that it's we. I mean we've we've talked about this numerous times on the podcast we've written I've written articles about it before on the blog it's it's complete nonsense that this kind of crap exists in rugby yeah, you know, you know, you can't even you know, punching and kicking folk on the rugby field. Ah, but we all shake hands in the clubhouse afterwards. So it was um, Jessica Hayden a few days before this incident. I'd referred to the rugby values speak uh, something quite rude on Twitter, uh, and Jessica Hayden said that is the the best description I've heard of it. It was group onanism patter, as the way I described it. <laughs> Very well put, Mister Hayden. Very good, except, well done. Except I didn't, I didn't say honest. I said what that means. Yeah. Yes. Get 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 your dictionaries out, guys. Yeah. Yes. Kids, ask ask your parents <laughs> what that means, kids. Yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 tired. It's exhausting. I think sometimes the utter crap yeah, and stuff like just... Wendy Ball. It's like. Oh, yeah. 
I hate that it's, word. It's just not. It's not a good look, is it? I mean, no, we, we the thing is calling it Wendy Ball is very sexist as well, isn't it? It's sexist yeah, and yeah. homophobic. Mm. Yep, 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 yep. And the same people calling it Wendy Ball are the same people that were jumping up and down when Scotland qualified for the Euros. So yeah. it's all. Do you see as well when Nicolas Sanchez went to hit one of his penalties um, towards the end of the first half? A bunch of Scots must have broken into the stadium in Sydney because it was quite heavy booing. Oh, that'd be all the expats. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, Just keeping the tradition alive, lads. This one's for the Falcons. So what I haven't told you is actually on the back of um, my hashtag rugby values escapades a few years ago, I've actually started a secret covert group of uh, basically Scots across the world who will uh, infiltrate all rugby stadiums, particularly Irish ones actually, and uh, will boo uh, viciously um, at my orders. It's, my it's not, orders. Just, not just not just <laughs> r- rugby stadiums, just anybody anybody who's kicking anybody who's kicking anything. Anything, yeah. Coming <laughs> in the street. Maybe, maybe we should do that for our cameo. Do you, are you going to kick something? We will. We you know for a fee. We, we will boo your, your kicks. We will boo your kicks. <laughs> Who do you want to boo your kicks? You're going around to a car showroom to kick some tyres. We'll boo. We'll be there booing. You got that that tyre pressure. Boo! Boo. (laughs) That's no 32 PSI. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so many videos in in mine now. It's a shame we're in lockdown. Oh, this is great now. Dav Craig on Twitch. Yes, sir, I can boo you. Oh, yes. Well done, well done. Yes. See, I knew, I knew, it, you know, and that's that's the reason why we're starting to do these live because you get gold like we didn't get gold like that before we used to record on our own. Magnificent stuff. Take a bow. Somebody would have to approve that in the comments. It'd be two days late, and you know, <laughs> magnificent. I, I, I doth my cap. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna. My hands and my hands and that was going to be Argentina. Really, I mean, I guess it is. It's the there was a guy that um, the tweet from the Welsh guy. Did you see this old Welsh guy again? Another another one of the guys that kind of take a proper selfie on his profile, who's moaning about the fact that well, he mentioned the Scottish football team as well. The Scottish football team, and then the Argentina guy struggling to hold in the emotions and saying, "In my day, men didn't oh, cry." Was a Kiwi guy? Was it Kiwi? Kiwi? Was he Keith Quinn? Is his name because he was very close to being my hands and rocking. <laughs> Yeah, uh, real Lewis men Hamilton, don't. Cr- Dustin Johnson, yeah, uh, Argentines greeting, and also I think he said something. Was he another pink? Why they wearing pink boots? Type of person. Yeah, uh, you know when men were men, kind of thing. Um, and then he later climbed down from it and said, "Oh, I cry myself yeah. sometimes." I was just wondering. It was a general wondering, but he didn't de- delete his original tweet. So that was that bothered me. I think my main thing though was I got. There's a lot of people accuse me of being a conspiracy theorist for suggesting that um, Tommy Allen had. Uh, been taken off the pitch in suspicious circumstances. Now, yes. I've put my detective hat on, folks. Again, after the film, we, we did this with Finn Russell. I should have. I'm not doing music anymore because we'll get. I'm worried about takedown notices from. I nearly. I had one the other day from uh, on Twitter because I'd used some Barbara Streisand, and I, I, I'm not. I'm not losing my Twitter profile due to Barbara Streisand. <laughs> So we're not. Unfortunately, there won't be any. When Jaco Van der Volk plays, we can't play the Van der Volk theme tune, so you'll have to get your kicks elsewhere. But anyway, so I put my detective hat on. Put so cue the Dragnet theme tune. Um, 
Now, I am open to the fact I th- he cut his knee open, right? The ab- bottom of the advertising horns, you watched, there's a inexplicably someone's decided that sticking a bit of metal out po- t- and poking it towards the pitch is a good idea when you've got players sliding towards the sideline. I've no doubt he sliced his knee open, it was held together. Now, the, the issue I've got and what I think then happens, I think he was stitched up pitch side because he was back on, which you can do and happens, you know, quick couple of stitches, you're back on the pitch because he was back on the pitch for um, the restart for the second um, for, for the, the second line out after the, the penalty. And then there's blood on his knee and he's, he's offers a blood replacement. Now, the, at some point during the long discussion between Wayne Barnes and the referee, but there was a discussion with the, the, the Italian doctor where he said, no, no, you can't bring on any more subs. You've used all your substitutes up. You can't bring any more subs on unless he's a head replacement or a blood replacement. So they were thinking he's going off injured. The Italians said that he's going off injured. Now, the Italians obviously know the rules. There's something fishy going on when later on he turns up on the sidelines with a cut knee. He's going off as a blood replacement. Because one being, of the replies. Were, sorry, and you go, John. Sorry. I was just going to say they were being quite. They, were, they are being quite cautious with the whole buds. Oh yeah, 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 as well. So obviously, I mean, we've all seen players in the past that have got a wee trickle blood here and there, and maybe don't come off. But you know, they were being really careful with the blood thing, and I think they had cleaned them up. Now, whether whether the stitches haven't held or what, right? Fair enough. We'll maybe say benefit of the doubt there, but. He was struggling like he'd injured his knee as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, anyone that's had a, a decent cut in your knee, it, is, it can be body sore. And, you know, you you don't necessarily want to be running full tilt um, at, at an international defence at that point with, with such a sore knee. So is it convenient that it was open, you know, an open wound and it was bleeding and they thought, right, good opportunity to get him off? Possibly, no. possibly. I mean, but... Martin Bell says that Tommy Allen didn't go to the moon either. No, I mean that the, clearly. I think I think it was Stanley Kubrick, um, his makeup artist, obviously put the blood onto his knee to make it look fake. <laughs> That's what I'm claiming. But no, it was just it was strange. I mean, obviously, Doctor James, Sir Doctor James Robson, had concerns because it was him that had flagged it with the referee, and yeah. he was he was there at the sideline. So there, there was something not right about it. And do you know, I, I I'm not. Not necessarily. It may all be above board, and it may all be. But the the chain of events that led up to him being a blood substitute there's didn't go in the way that you would expect to in that way. It was clearly an injury. Yes. To me, it was a clearly an injury replacement rather than a blood replacement. But I mean, the stick Matty and Minotti on at ten, so it's not exactly like they were in. They were benefiting from anything. <laughs> <laughs> the game was well lost. So ha- having chilled for twenty five minutes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. We've got a couple of very strange comments going on. Well, Ian yeah. Kerr is asking you, John. Can you play? Can you play the guitar? I, I actually can play those guitars, yes. Uh, I can also play the oak oh, go the other way. I can also play those drums that are sitting behind me as well. Um, I on our first band practice, Ian can attest that I picked up the guitarist's guitar whilst he was out um, at the, the, the toilette. 
event and picked it up, hashtag COVID secure, and uh, might have started smashing some master puppets out on it. So there you go. I've got just out of shot. I've got my tuba just out of shot. I can't. Yeah, I'm not playing it because I'm directly below my daughter's bedroom. So. Pretty sure the tuba. There must be a tuba section on one of these songs we're playing. Ian. Yeah. I've got a bong up there. <laughs> <laughs> That that was the Ian uh, a bongo you mean? Yeah, that's what I said. Aye. Oh, did my microphone cut out? Yeah, it oh, did just cut guys. out. Aye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's only room for one drummer. Um, you know, so I, that's why I play bass now. One singer, one oh. song. So they always sing at the clubs. Shout at the clubs. Except we went two singers, one song. Oh, we've got the wonderful. Rona and Ross. Uh, on harmony. We're really going to have to do a version of Islands in the stream, aren't we? Oh, Ross is desperate to that, and he is so beautiful that we probably can't <laughs> deny him. Um, I'd like to say handsomest man in rugby, Scottish rugby. Yeah. Well, I mean, he gives he gives huge ones a run for his money. That's all I'm saying. How much? How much does Ross charge for a cameo? Uh, to be honest, I mean, I th- I reckon we could get him pretty cheap. He's uh, especially if you get Rona to ask him because she's oh she's terrifying when she's got got the rage. Uh, I, I, I sent the guys a video. Um, I managed to capture Rona in full Stevie Nicks mode. It was fantastic. <laughs> she was absolutely obliterating for Ross. Was... Were you rushing or dragging? Uh, yeah, it was, it was like whiplash. It was so terrifying. And like you can hear in the video, you can hear me nervously tapping a symbol, going, "Yay, just domestic order, order, order!" So I love the fact we've got the, the, we see the inner workings of Scottish rugby's Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> it's one oh. of the group, one of the um, one of the greatest jokes I've ever heard. Before we go and and leave you there, is, is the Flight of the Concords episode where they say Fleetwood Mac they made that album where they all split up with each other. So I said rumors, no, it really happened. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. And on that note. That's it for this week. Don't forget to go to manscaped.com and uh, SRP in the checkout and you'll get 20% off and free shipping on any of the products uh, there. You'll also be helping us out uh, as well. Go to the Patreon, sign up on your £3 or your, your £5 a month and visit the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We'll have full coverage of the France match um, and some other bits and bobs going up in the next few days as well. But for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Ian. Ciao. Hey, folks.